hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Through the madness and the lies As they're holding back the truth No matter what they try I will always fight for you Our Savior innocence They are trying to remove I am here at your defense And I will always fight for you Yes, I will always fight for you I will stand here in the way And I will not give up on you I will shield you from the pain In the battle on the field There is evil on the move But I hope that you can feel That I will always fight for you In the darkness of the times There's a light that shines the proof It'll soon reveal the crime So I won't stop this fight for you Yes, I will always fight for you I will brave every attack And I will not give up on you I will always have your back So to every single mother, father Stand up for your sons and daughters Do not back down, don't let up You are all they have for armor So make this a war to win Look in their eyes and tell them that I will always fight for you. I will stand guard at the gate and I will not give up on you. I will stop each shot they take. Yes, I will always fight for you. I will always fight for you. Wow, wasn't that great? That was Brad Skiskamis, and he is in the group Five Times August. That's Fight For You, and that is the soundtrack to the movie Safe and Effective. And that came in from uh, Elisa Langevin. Uh, Also, Brad was on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial just after when I gave my speech on January 23rd, 2022. Brad's a great guy. In the YouTube video, you can see me kind of leaving 
the Lincoln Memorial, and then Brad setting up with his guitar. What a terrific song about uh, standing up for you. Who's going to stand up for the children? The children can't make decisions on the vaccines. And I thought that was absolutely a wonderful, a wonderful, well uh, <clears throat> conceived song. And it, it just really flowed. So congratulations to Brad and Angela. Thanks for sending that along. We have a great program for you this week. I, you know, I'm sad to report that on uh, October 6th, my Twitter account uh, was suspended. And so the backdrop to this uh, was that, you know, I was previously in a multi-plaintiff suit against Twitter where I, um, you know, I was suing Twitter for my old Twitter account, which was Cove 19 Treatments. It was a scientific account where I just put forward the scientific studies. Uh, that was uh, permanently suspended after about 20,000 followers. And Twitter prevailed in that suit by claiming that they had a strategic interest in participating in the conversation in COVID-19 and the methods by which they participate uh, were to, to manipulate other people's accounts instead of Twitter executives saying what they think. In fact, they felt justified in manipulating our accounts and they prevailed. Uh, and that's a really a, a, a terrible state of affairs where that can be the case. So what we saw earlier in the week was some instability of Twitter accounts when Elon Musk you know, was back on purchasing Twitter. And then on Thursday, October 6th, my account, 512,000 followers was drained to zero. And then it was suspended. I couldn't download my data. So my tech and legal teams are working with Twitter. They've subsequently uh, backed off and, and hopefully will prevail in getting my Twitter account reestablished. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I pulled the trigger and started a Substack, and I did it the right way. I'd planned this for a while. I'm doing it with best-selling author John Leake. He's my co-author on Courage to Face COVID-19. The name of the Substack is a Courageous Discourse, and boy, is that a good name for a Substack at this point in time. And uh, we're going to be publishing and posting frequently. Um, I can tell you out of all the Substacks dealing with COVID-19, it's the only one that involves a best-selling author, a, a true crime author in John Leake. And I think that's going to be the real draw of our Substack. It's already wildly popular, thousands of people signing up, and we're going to move forward. Substack allows uh, a little longer uh, type of essay with references, which is very important. As everyone knows, I'm meticulous in citing the data, but boy, has my life been busy with this Twitter suspension. And I had no idea how many people followed my Twitter account because I am producing uh, scientific uh, abstracts and analyses that the media and the world was depending on. Uh, let's listen in to Dan Bongino on his show, Unfiltered, and uh, what Dan had to say. Welcome back to Unfiltered. Dr. Peter McCullough first made waves when he spoke out against the ever-changing COVID science. Now Twitter just gave him the boot right off the platform. Dr. McCullough is a cardiologist and friend of the show, and he joins me now. Doctor, you know, you've always been on the show and you've been ahead of the actual science, and we really appreciate you being a truth teller. So what happened? Why are the censorship hounds uh, coming after you now? 
Dan, of the doctors with medical authority, you know I've testified in the U.S. Senate and been very, very transparent with America on what's happening with the pandemic. I have one of the largest followings on Twitter. What we saw a few days ago was some instability. Many people saw Twitter followers subtracted and added uh, back. That was with the announcement of Elon Musk purchase of Twitter back on. And then Thursday night, I saw my account go down to zero followers, drained of all the followers, and then the account was suspended. Doc, what do you think it is? I know they haven't been transparent with you about what the reason is, but is it some kind of an effort, you think, to get out ahead of Elon's uh, ownership? Are they afraid of the, you know, your truth-telling about some of the potential side effects from some of the treatments? I mean, what do you think it is? It's an act of medical censorship for sure. Dan, I had thousands of posted basically graphical abstracts of peer-reviewed papers as just was the science. It was bringing uh, late-breaking science to the community and people followed me all over the world. Uh, this is coming on the heels of California AB 2098, which was signed into law, yeah. which is the doctor muzzle law in California. That's right. That's right. Gavin Newsom, they should be ashamed out there for doing it's going to destroy medicine. Doc, I'm sorry this is happening to you. You've been a great friend to the show, and uh, we'll make sure we amplify your voice where we can. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. You can tell that uh, uh, that it's not just goodwill between myself and, in this case, uh, Dan Bunchino on Fox News, who, by the way, is a massive following on uh, on some of the social media platforms, way, way more than a million followers. And Dan, somebody, he's taken three of the vaccines. He now uh, is regretful appropriately, and he's honest. He deals with things honestly. I think that's the reason why he has such a, uh, a large viewership. But this is a happening now uh, through across the media, not just myself, but I think so many other scientists being uh, obviously canceled. I mentioned AB 2098, the doctor muzzle law that was signed into uh, signed into law by uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom. I uh, had a conversation with Jeff Barkey, family physician and Mark McDonald, child psychiatrist, who are suing uh, the state of California over this law as being unconstitutional. It's restricting uh, doctors' uh, right to free speech and to fairly outline the risks and benefits of COVID-19 treatments uh, and to you know give them a fair assessment of of uh, prognosis and outcomes. I think doc doctors are gonna recoil and they're gonna back away from COVID-19 and this is gonna be a, a, a giant, giant step backwards for Californians as they scramble to seek COVID care, post-COVID and assessment of vaccine injuries. You know, the other development I wanted to bring up and this just happened a few days ago, PayPal. PayPal, the uh, very common uh, way to pay people, the electronic form of a payment that works between two people. PayPal announced that they had introduced new user terms that said that if any of the PayPal subscribers uh, spread COVID misinformation, that PayPal was going to penalize their account $2,500. $2,500. This announcement raised all kinds of questions, all kinds of questions. Did, did PayPal decide this on their own? Were they stimulated by a government agency to do this, a government agency that's vested in promoting uh, the false narrative on COVID-19 and mass vaccination? 
Does PayPal have a medical board that was going to review information? How is PayPal going to link users? Remember, someone doesn't post, you know, scientific analyses on PayPal. How are they going to do this? How are they going to uh, decide, quote, who is spreading COVID misinformation and link it to their PayPal account and then be able to do this to actually take money from people? This was astonishing development, and uh, the backlash was severe. People were draining their PayPal accounts. I know I did. Then they'll be canceling their accounts. I know I will. And uh, PayPal stock crashed, and uh, and then PayPal quickly reversed and said, no, no, we, we're not going to do this. But this PayPal event, I think, is significant because the question is now, what's next? Uh, is it going to be Bank of America, Citibank, Comerica Bank? This is in the United States. This isn't new. Uh, you know, the Canadian truckers, uh, they had their bank accounts frozen uh, when they participated in the truckers rally in Ottawa. Others across the world have actually experienced uh, financial threats for their fair evaluation of COVID-19. We're in a new age now. The, in the United States, this has basically just upped the stakes in the COVID-19 disaster. Not only has the government pandemic response been a disaster, now what I infer is a government agency driven uh, agenda being carried out through various carriers. I think Twitter and Facebook and social media as common communication carriers, PayPal as a common currency exchange, payment exchange character, uh, 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 a carrier, and potentially banks and others is going to move forward. Everybody, I think, should be prepared for this. There appears to be nothing acceptable to our government agencies outside of taking a needle in every arm with no exceptions, no complaints, and certainly no one can speak the truth about COVID-19. Well, I have a terrific show for you. Uh, I have a group interview which is absolutely fantastic. It's hard to pull off interviews. Let me tell you what, uh, the podcasting business is a tough business. I've learned it firsthand now, having done a report for you every week, faithfully. I haven't missed a week throughout the uh, crisis since I've come on board with America Out Loud under the leadership of Malcolm Out Loud. Uh, but listen to this. Uh, in a single interview, I had the World Council for Health representatives of the Executive Council. I had Tess Lowry, a, an epidemiologist and scientist from the United Kingdom, who's very well known for her analytic work on ivermectin. Dr. Mark Trousey. I've been wanting to get Mark Trousey. He is an emergency trauma specialist from Canada who's completely dropped everything, dedicated his efforts to pandemic response has a newsletter. Everybody should subscribe to Trousey's newsletter. I do. It's very, very good. Uh, I had Christoph Ploth, who's a terrific, terrific guy. He Christoph is an osteopathic physician in Germany treating COVID-19 patients. And Christoph has actually already been on the McCullough Report. And then the first time I've had Miss Shabnam Palesa Mohammed. And wow, you should really check her out on the internet. I went on one of her podcast early. She is an iconic media person, uh, just a stunning personality. You just have to see her for real on video from South Africa. 
and she had me on an early beacon of medical freedom. Uh, Shabnam is terrific. And one of the things that really blew me away when I interviewed with her is not only did she do the introduction in English, but she went into some African language and it just it just flowed. And I said, wow, I could tell her following was huge. It was great to have her. And then lastly, we were supported by Ms. Zoe Strickland, who's the Administrator for World Council of Health. They introduced this wonderful organization, which is an umbrella organization. Under them are dozens and dozens of grassroots freedom organizations across the world. Everybody should check out the World Council for Health. Uh, this is a big feature of this program uh, this week on the McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. Make sure you go to our website and check the banner bars. The banner bars to the sponsors, when you click on them, automatically give you a discount on products. I like especially Healthy Cell REM Sleep Supplement for a great night's sleep. I took it last night. No wonder I feel so good today. Check out Healthy Cell and go to our website, Banner Bar, to get a discount off your first purchase. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. 
get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Wow, do I have a special interview. I have the leadership of the World Council for Health. I never thought this would happen. I am absolutely thrilled to have on the other side of the microphone, the other side of the ocean, uh, the leadership, Dr. Tess Lowry, Zoe Strickland, Mark Trozzi, a fearless freedom fighter, Shabnam Palesa Mohammed, wonderful uh, a woman who's just led freedom across the whole continent of Africa, Christoph Ploth, who's actually been on the program before uh, from Germany. And we have a, a terrific program. I want each person to introduce themselves quickly in order. Uh, first up, Dr. Tess Lowry. Thanks very much, Peter. It's such a joy to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm a, a medical doctor, researcher, and co-founder of the World Council for Health, which we established last year in September to, um, to basically help people understand what's going on and to, and to um, find uh, COVID care guidance and, uh, and information that's uh, independent of the official COVID narrative. Terrific. Zoe Strickland, you're next. Thanks, Peter McCullough. It's so lovely to be here. And yes, hello, everyone. So uh, I'm Zoe Strickland. I'm the general manager for the World Council for Health. Fortunate enough to have been here since its birth just over one year ago and very much so looking forward to all the beautiful work yet to come. And I'm proud of all the work that we've we've achieved so far. Dr. Mark Trousey. Well, thanks, Peter. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I'm a veteran emergency doctor, a critical resuscitation and trauma medicine instructor. That was what I was doing up until uh, the launch of COVID. And, um, and now uh, for about two years, I've committed myself full time to uh, public education and all the realms of activism that dealing with the uh, tyrannical situation that, that we face in the world has brought us. I've been now a member of the steering committee for, oh, close to a year, which has really been a great opportunity. I work with Take Action Canada, Strong and Free Canada, Canada COVID Care Alliance, and others. And uh, so I'm just grateful to be here. Great. And Mark, Mark's got a terrific uh, email list I'm on it. I hope everybody listening will also join. Uh, Mark has been absolutely relentless. I think that's a good uh, adjective for you. And Christoph Ploth. Christoph is a return guest to the show, as is uh, uh, Dr. Lowry. Christoph, welcome to the McCall Report. Well, hi, Peter. Thank you very much uh, for having the opportunity to speak here and, of course, to hear your voice again. Yeah, it's always so strengthening and so empowering to hear your voice out there. So thank you for all you're doing. Uh, well, I'm an, I'm an osteopath and naturopath, and I uh, connected um, people long before the last uh, three years uh, in issues of um, healthy soil, healthy um, nutrition, um, uh, and healthy environment, and try to empower people to see that the medicine of the future is going to be also about increasing vitality instead of just fighting uh, disease. And uh, well, right from the beginning, there were certain questions um, in, in the current saga that made me suspicious. And I connected uh, all over the world and I founded my own platform with lovely scientists um, 
uh, and doctors uh, from the German speaking countries and then made my way uh, to the World Council for Health. And this has been uh, my family and my home for yeah, the last year. So thank you very much for giving us a voice. I hope everybody yeah. listening to this right now uh, will go to the World Council for Health website. It's, it's a wonderful yellow and pink uh, colors. It's vibrant. Uh, go ahead and check out the website, sign up for the newsletters and the communications. There's a, you know, a whole bevy of offerings. Uh, one of the most frequently utilized documents, of which there's many, are the pharmacovigilance report on the COVID-19 vaccines issued on June 11th, 2022. Uh, now, Dr. Lowry, take it off from here. What is new with the World Council for Health and and tell us a bit more about the developments that we're hearing across the world regarding this organization. Well, um, Peter, we've, you know, as Zoe said, we've achieved so much in the last year. We started with the launch of at-home COVID treatment guides, um, detox guidance for people who've been vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccines. Um, as you know, they're not uh, normal sorts of vaccines. And, um, and we also um, had we launched we had the pharmacovigilance report in in June, which really very unequivocally shows that the COVID nineteen vaccines injections should be recalled. You know they're not fit for purpose. So um, you know we've been um, really um, at the forefront um, of the of the um, the COVID narrative to, to really help people understand and make sense of what's going on and to take responsibility for their health. We've had, um, you know, we, we're a year on now and we have, um, we've had some concerns raised about um, uh, governance and transparency and um, uh, the, and accounting. And so we've really, um, we're at a phase now where we're having to look at the entire structure and say, you know, is it, do we need to evolve it? Um, you know, what are the challenges? Um, but um, the, the, um, the conversation this week, uh, the, uh, or the developments this past week, really took us by surprise when we had a resignation of four steering committee members whilst we were going through this process of evaluating the structure, etc. So um, I'm, I'm happy to bounce it over to one of the others now to to, to, well, to let, let, let well. me br let me bring into the conversation. You know, as the World Co Council for Health was forming. There were so many grassroots organizations and key individuals that were coming under the umbrella. And when I originally interviewed you, Tess, you know, you were describing just dozens and dozens of worldwide organizations. One of the biggest players that came into the World Council for Health was Shabnam Palesa Muhammad. And I had been on her broadcast network as a media icon in Africa now well over a year ago. Uh, Shabnam uh, update us about uh, this development, the formation of the World Council for Health, and what's happened with this recent uh, change of, uh, of leadership, or at least, a, at least a bevy of resignations. So, Dr. McCullough, of course, first of all, an absolute honor, one of the heroes I first interviewed as part of the health freedom movement. Uh, and for me, what's happening currently is particularly interesting as an activist, journalist, and attorney from South Africa, we, of course, uh, activism is particularly robust. And uh, while it is disappointing what's going on right now with various allegations being made, minus an attempt to actually dialogue, sit down and discuss what the issues are and what potential um, resolutions could be, 
My, my perspective is that we're dealing with two different factors at least. One is that it is exceptionally difficult to work in the nonprofit space. I've done so over the last two decades. It is a challenge to manage uh, the cause or the mission your organization is focused on to sustain operations and also to deal with various challenges, some of which can actually become uh, quite worrying and quite disturbing. The other is, of course, we're dealing with different personalities, many of whom have different priorities. And so that's always going to be difficult with human beings who, being who they are. But at its, at its core, as Chess described, some of the salient issues that were raised over the last couple of days were regarding governance and the legal status of the World Council for Health, as well as uh, the issue of finance, and in particular, a conference that took place in September in Vienna, Austria, uh, which didn't raise as many sponsors as was expected. And the expectation then became that World Council for Health would carry the entire cost thereof. And while we were willing to do what we can, we certainly find allegations being made around that subject to be particularly disturbing. And we are hoping that through transparency, dialogue, and of course, just speaking the truth, that somehow people will find a way to move on amicably and focus on the broader mission, which is serving and standing up for humanity. So let me bring Christoph into the conversation. Christoph, you know, what is the, the impact of conflict of interest uh, do you perceive out there uh, on both sides of this giant battle that we're in? Uh, the battle of bringing treatments to patients with COVID-19, giving fair information on vaccine safety and efficacy, those who are for it, those who are against it. What's the role of conflict of interest? Well, that's a, that's a, a, a huge subject, as we all know who are sitting here today. Um, well, there, um, you constantly wonder who's actually profiting from what is happening. There are quite a few theories out uh, about this, but um, we could certainly stated and could experience in our lives uh, that uh, there had been heavy restrictions in terms of facts into the mainstream media. There have been heavy uh, um, censorship in science uh, papers not even finding a journal or getting withdrawn. Uh, we could see uh, uh, interests uh, in uh, in uh, in profiting from the, this situation. Certainly, uh, financially speaking, and we now find ourselves in situations where um, even individuals can profit uh, from the situ situations that we're in. So. Uh, conflicts of interests. Uh, there are quite a few, quite a few motives. Um, I'm reluctant to point a finger into anybody's direction or um, um, any uh, any particular uh, any particular people that are profiting from the situation. But I think we all know uh, that um, there are definitely people. Uh, that have uh, a severe uh, conflict of interest in our times. And uh, this is what we're up against at the moment. I'm Thank trying you. to put it politely. Well, well, couldn't we say, couldn't we say where there are billions of dollars flowing to various stakeholders? Um, and let's say one of the vaccine manufacturers, their CEO 
comes out on major media and encourages the public to take more vaccines, to me, that would be an obvious conflict of interest. How, how could one not interpret that? If, if we have a, a former FDA uh, chairman become on the board of one of the vaccine manufacturers and go on TV himself as a doctor and advise more vaccines, and then the one that follows him join the venture capital firm that's supporting another vaccine manufacturer. I mean, it appears well, as if it's in the wide open. Zoe, what yeah. is the role of, uh, of transparency in, in what's called resolution of conflict of interest? Oh, tough one. Yeah, I think in terms of transparency, uh, that one of the most important things is financial transparency, um, of course, and, and, and governance. And I think everyone everyone or, or the, the biggest problems that face our society now are trust you know no one knows who to trust and and most of the population still trust um the majority of mainstream media etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know we want to have an organization that is is as transparent as possible so the audience you know can get behind us and and also can see the reality of how how things have to be run so you know, for us, that that means having a mixture of volunteers and workers. Um, you know, we have we're blessed to have had so many volunteers, including the steering committee and all our committee members made up from our partners. Um, and we also have a, a really committed workers team. Everyone's paid the same. Um, so we're trying to set, you know, a precedence of valuing uh, human contribution in, in a very, very different way. And, and hopefully that model. Um, you know, will set a, a great example for others as well. Well, workers clearly need to be paid. People are doing their best, and whether they're working in the for-profit sector or the not-for-profit sector, they deserve to get paid. Mark, you've been doing so much work out there. I, I think as a doctor, I would infer that you've done a ton of work on your own time with no remuneration with all of your efforts. Uh, what, what's your what's your viewpoint on this? How, how can we move forward and and, and engender the trust of the world. Well, thanks, Peter. So, yes, that's true. I sold my house. I resigned all my work, and I've been doing this full time. And I, I do not get paid. I do receive some donations, which has helped basically my family to eat and survive and are somewhat stripped down existence. And I do not receive income from the World Council for Health, nor do most of the people, uh, all the steering committee members, with the exception of. Uh, I think Tess and Shabnan, who work full time on that one project. So just to clarify that. <clears throat> so, um, you know, this is, I've been in this fight for two years, you know, like yourself, Peter, I've been in this full time and uh, it's not the first time I've seen the wheels fall off something. It's not time, the first time I've seen people yeah, crack a little bit under the stress uh, because, you know, uh, you know, anyone who's done their homework realizes, you know, we want to talk about pointing fingers. I will point fingers. So Tedros, Schwab, Fauci, Bill Gates, and then depending on your country, in my country, Trudeau, etc. So yeah, these these are the people that, as uh, David Martin said, are uh, you know working at basically killing off and enslaving mankind. So yeah, that's that's the focus, and so then the other focus is the well-being of the mankind. So we're trying to inform people, we're trying to protect people, like yourself, and we've relied on you for a lot of information. We're trying to treat both the people that get sick with COVID. And the people who've been injured by these misrepresented injections. So, you know, that's the real 
focus. Now, um, in terms of in terms of the little disharmonies that come up, like the one that we're just sorting through, yeah, it's hard to make sense of it, in some sense. I uh, I'm going to reach out to everyone over time, make sure everybody's well. I'm a little bit concerned, um, and you know about maybe some stress levels because we were having diligent meetings working through the details of issues that needed to be worked out. Basically the WCH has grown where we needed to kind of restructure. And in the midst of that restructuring, we, we, we had people sort of say, Oh, because there's no restructuring, we're bailing That's strange, but I think we have to stay over target <clears throat> because, you know, mankind is in the gravest threat that I could ever imagine. And I'm in this for my grandchildren and yours. So um, I think we need to stay focused on that and the things we're doing, including, you know, at the same time as we're trying to stop the tyranny, at the same time as we have law and activism working to try and stop the, the criminals running the COVID criminal agenda, if I can be so blunt, um, we're also just getting ready to release a, an ambitious project to help guide people around the world to survive, you know, the, the things that will be coming. If, if we're not successful in stopping these criminals. So I think we've got to stick to our agenda. We're here to save lives. We're here to return human rights. We're here to return the rule of real law. And, and we want justice and freedom. That was incredibly well stated. Um, Tess, back to you. Um, uh, you, you know, can you dispel any of these uh, concerns, uh, the financial concerns uh, among the, the stakeholders at World Council for Health? Yes, thanks, Peter. I'd like to do that. You know, I, I really, I just want to say, you know, in, in agreement with Mark, that we really uh, need to focus on the mission, the mission that unites everybody and uh, towards a better way. And it feels like, you know, these, um, there's, there's so, it's so easy to create division amongst, amongst people in, in the, um, call it the resistance that we almost do the, do the job for others when we when we fragment and divide and and um, and separate from each other so I'm very happy to have this opportunity to clear a few things up um, the World Council of Health is managed by a nonprofit community interest company called EBMC squared and the World Council of Health is an initiative of EBMC squared and we'll the, um, the British Ivermectin Recommendation Development Initiative, which was EBMC Squared's first initiative to get Ivermectin approved. So, you know, it's clear what we, we, we're dealing with, the uh, withholding of safe, effective treatment, the, um, the um, rollout of inadequately tested, unsafe vaccines, and, um, and uh, you know, potential, um, well, certainly suspicion around the, the quality of those trials and, so, and the authorities had not supported us. So when we realized all of this, we formed the World Council for Health to get our message to the public because we really were struggling. Um, we really had no joy lobbying the authorities. So, um, so through World Council for Health, um, we well, through EBMC Squared and World Council for Health, we have uh, managed to employ, uh, um, at the moment we have about um, not in, we have about 19 workers who work part-time or full-time, but we um, but nobody's on full employment. It's all just contract based because we have very limited funds and it's and it's really a, a sort of 
um, uh, you know, we, we keep sort of two months ahead uh, on our budget. Um, we all earn exactly the same um, per hour. Um, there's a, it's capped at £2,500 a month. So um, for a full for so for a full time, the most you can you can earn is two thousand five hundred for a full time team member, and um, you know some of us certainly myself and 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 some of the other full time workers uh, earn you know work substantially more hours than um, than uh, forty hours a week, and so um, you know it it brings it down to maybe ten dollars an hour for some of us. So it's really you know a labor of love to a large degree, and even the part timers. Um, are you know they usually would be earning much more than than uh, ten or fifteen or fifteen pounds an hour, um, but in their normal jobs. So they do two days a week for us, uh, and then they do their normal job the rest of the time. And so there's a large volunteering component to everybody's efforts, uh, and everybody in the team is totally aligned with the mission. So you know, I hope that puts people's minds at rest. Nobody's making money out of this business. <laughs> out of this, we really all have the you know have the the highest good of all um, in in mind, and um, and we all um, we all you know are totally committed to a better creating a better world. Yeah, well, I think that should um, lay to rest any concerns. All the non-government operations that exist, NGOs in the United States, we have Unity Project, Truth for Health Organization, uh, COVID Global Summit. There's a whole variety of organizations. They have budgets. They do have to cover costs. Um, I can tell you, I'm a member of several of these. None of them uh, I have uh, luxurious lifestyles. And it's actually very similar to, to World Council for Health, not the same magnitude, but very similar. You know, I have to tell you an experience. Uh, a, a short time ago, I headlined two programs. One was at the Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas. And the same day, another one was by virtual in Queensland, Australia. Both were ticketed by Eventbrite. People paid tickets they wanted to attend. And uh, the night before Eventbrite uh, notified all the uh, attendees that the events were canceled, and then they kept the money from the meeting organizers so that they couldn't cover their costs. I'm saying this because I want our worldwide audience to understand that corruption is widespread against us. It's widespread against us in what we're doing, and it's not surprising that um, there'll be some movement of people in these NGOs uh, when it gets hot in the kitchen. Zoe, can you just explain to our worldwide audience um, the umbrella that uh, the World Council for Health is with respect to grass, grassroots organizations? So when we go on your website, we can look at, in a sense, the affiliated groups. How, how, just how big is the reach of the World Council for Health? Yeah, thank you, Peter. So yeah, we definitely started um, as an umbrella organization. I, I prefer to think of us as a long line um, just because I, you know, I, the work that all of our partners are doing is just absolutely stellar. Um, so, you know, we certainly don't see ourselves in the top of a pyramid or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so we have about 160 partners at this moment in time from about 38 countries across the world. And we connect with our partners weekly um, at our General Assembly meetings on Monday, which you can catch between 7 and 9 p.m. BST through the newsroom as a member of the public. 
Um, and we bring in guest speakers from around the world to, to talk about all topics on health, sovereignty, law, activism, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, we're, we're really blessed to have um, such an amazing uh, team and, and, it's, and it's growing by the minute. Um, I also just want to clarify, you know, like you said, Peter, with the Eventbrite thing um, and, you know, a lot of organisations in our position do just have bank accounts frozen and, and they really struggle. And the strategy really behind the structure for the organisation and having it um, sort of managed by EBMC Squared was really so that they couldn't take us down. So that if they took someone down, it would have to be EBMC Squared and the WCH would be able to live on under a partner organization, um, you know, or someone else willing, willing to take to take it on. So it's, it's really hard to find the exact right strategy and it's not for everyone, but it's, you know, we're, we're working in extraordinary times. So we need to uh, think outside the box. For sure. And, and you certainly have done extraordinary work. Shabnan, I remember when I first met you, uh, you, you know, there was great uh, discussion about Panda as one of the organizations. And, and you know, I don't know all of the details uh, regarding uh, Panda and, uh, and some of these other worldwide organizations and the World Council for Health. But tell us, for our listeners, uh, let's say there are uh, groups out there that, that want to in a sense, kind of come under the umbrella of the World Council for Health, Shabnan. Um, uh, how do they move forward? How does this happen? Well, I think it starts off first with having a commitment to health, to freedom, and to sovereignty. Three key words in this global movement of, of, of as I love to say, the 99%. And if you, as a person, group, or organization, are committed to these ideals, then I would certainly say the World Council for Health is one of the coalitions that can be joined. And yes, of course, there's many other organizations doing amazing work out there. I'm with Transformative Health Justice in South Africa. I'm with Children's Health Against, um, the Executive Director of Children's Health Against Africa. And of course, CHD is very strongly affiliated to the World Council for Health. It's something that we're very um, honored and proud of to have that kind of solidarity with such excellent organizations. And indeed, there's others in South Africa as well, such as uh, Red List and others. Um, I would like to, to mention, though, that the legal status of World Council for Health has always been very clear and transparent on its website, as Tess and Zoe have, have explained. But Dr. McCullough, we face such serious issues as society and as humanity. We've got concentration camps that the South African government and New York State are trying to enforce. We've got a new bill in South Africa that would seek to call people terrorists merely for dissenting with government. We've got, uh, you know, vaccine contracts with companies like Pfizer that have taken as security our embassies, our reserve mm. banks and our militaries. So we have massive issues facing us as humanity. And the only way we can face that is to do that together, not only to resist the injustice, but to create a better way for a better world, which is what the World Council for Health is all about. The very next campaign for the Law and Activism Committee is going to be against censorship, which you know oligarchies like the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organizations are trying to enforce. Well, that's actually very hopeful and powerful words, Christoph. Uh, you know, as a doctor, uh, I am tuning into a lot of the medical 
parts of the World Council for Health, the activities, the initiatives. I want to get to some of these meetings. They look so exciting. Matter of fact, every time I've tuned into a meeting, you've had it in Bath, in the UK, in Vienna. Uh, I feel like I'm missing all my friends. So many want to join. Uh, Christoph, how do doctors uh, get involved in the World Council for Health as they come forward? You know, doctors only have uh, one way to go here is moving from the side where they realized they were wrong in supporting uh, this, this global effort at tyranny and joining on the side of freedom and patient and individual autonomy. Christoph, what, what's in it for the doctors? Well, maybe I'll, I'll just start with the fact that so many doctors um, um, uh, for, for many reasons had been very afraid to open their mouth to what they were seeing. Obviously, there was something wrong here in science, as we all know, and what we saw on a daily basis uh, uh, by uh, being um, um, involved with patients didn't add up with what we're being told. And uh, here in Germany, like in so many other countries, uh, we know that um, doctors have been heavily punished for opening their mouth. They have been censored. Um, they have been stripped of their license. So you needed a lot of courage in order to do that. But now I think uh, there is a shift. So doctors are not um, that afraid, and they remember the Hippocratic Oath to what they're out there for. So uh, we gladly invite, we have uh, um, many committees in, in several areas. Uh, we have medical, uh, we have uh, committees that deal with um, uh, health and humanity and the science. So everybody is um, invited uh, to join these committees or to um, uh, to voice uh, uh, themselves in the weekly GAs in which uh, interesting scientists and doctors from all over the world can talk about their experience, their publication that otherwise wouldn't be heard. So I invite everybody who uh, has had some questions in the last two years uh, to feel uh, to feel in a family and not to feel alone because that's what we need. So many people have been, have felt so alone as the, their country GP having the only uh, feeling that they're the only ones who were observing that something was going wrong. No, uh, there are quite a lot of us out there now and uh, together we can do it. So we invite anybody from medical professions to join organizations because unity is is our power. Yeah, I think out of the, mm -hmm. you know all the things we've talked about, the World Council for Health position on unifying other organizations is so key. You know, I just want to return quickly uh, to Mark on these really sharp comments about crimes being committed. I think Mark would be a great partner for my co-author John Leake, who's a true crime investigator who believes crimes of massive scale are being committed. And Mark, my question for you is, do you see any fairness in any court in the world, or is it going to be the court of public opinion? Well, we have seen some positive moves. Uh, I think courts are, you know, unfortunately, our governments are completely infiltrated with the WEF. I mean, Canada, more than half the cabinet are WEF, which as I see that, that is that's an aggressive foreign entity, you know, which is why, you know, calling this a hybrid war is just logic. It's not hyperbolic. Um, 
so the the courts are very reluctant to go against government so you know when you go into court and and you know i'm of course attached to many people like yourself helping with this more so in canada in my case of course when you go into court you know the court uh unfortunately is very affected by public opinion we have to remember you know smart sheep are still sheep and that applies to doctors as well as judges so i mean they sit around watching cnn and cbc and you're told, you know, safe and effective. And in the case of Canada, you have an absolute cover up of the adverse events and death from these injections. I mean, it's no wonder you walk in there with a bias. And then if to boot, you're facing as a judge, you know, am I going to go against the government or against this big institution? Or am I going to go with these three smart guys showing me stuff I don't fully understand? So those are the challenges we face. You know, just as Peter McCullough stood up and said, hey, I'm a doctor. I'm not going to be used to kill and lie people. And you started saving lives from COVID. And they said, don't do that. You're getting in the way of the pandemic. Get rid of the cybermectin. And now yourself and Corey and Tess and others standing up. Hey, let's treat these people injured by these injections. Um, in, in the same way, we need uh, people whose job it is to police, to enforce the law, to be judges in courts, to be military protecting the people. You guys are in the same situation. You have to... Uh, Find it within yourself and do your job. And uh, I understand you're as infiltrated as the medical associations are, but we all got to pull together, folks, because if we lose this one, your grandkids will be slaves at best. Wow, those are really, really sobering words, Mark. You know, we're going to have to bring this interview to a close. I want to give the last set of comments to Dr. Tess Lowry. Tess, tell the audience what is a better way. Thanks very much, Peter. Well, the better way, as, as, a, as a set of principles, was the output of our Better Way conference in May um, in, in Bath, where we had experts, scientists, doctors, all just the most wonderful favorite people uh, around the world who we've been connecting with come to Bath and meet in person, although there were some like yourself who had joined via Zoom. And, um, and we asked, um, it was very solutions focused, and we asked seven questions, and they included how do we restore science or we reclaim science? How do we manage the, um, uh, the uh, effects of the COVID-19 chapter? How do we restore journalistic uh, integrity? How do we um, um, activate the public to engage in, in, the, in a better future? How do we, how can the law serve human rights? Um, uh, how do we um, well, how do we address environmental challenges and how do we improve and innovate new ways of looking after health? So it was really exciting, solutions focused, and out of it came the seven principles of a better way. And um, I thought maybe we could end by just reading the seven principles for you, for your audience. Um, perhaps Mark could start. Do you remember number one, Mark? <laughs> oh my God, I don't have them before me. I know that we believe in people's freedom. I think that's a huge one. But so would you like have... to do number one? I can do number one, yes. So number one is we act in honor and do no harm. And um, Christoph, do you want to do number two? We are free beings with free will. And number three? <laughs> We are part of nature. And, uh, and I'll do number four, which is spirituality is integral to our well-being. Shab, you want to do number five? We thrive together. Zoe, number six? We absolutely value different perspectives. 
And who's going to do number seven? Shall I do it? It's we use technology with discernment. We recognize that used respectfully, technology is going to enhance learning and wisdom to the benefit of people and the planet. So we also do not tolerate a couple of things. And maybe uh, Christoph wants to lead on that one. Well, I mean, the last uh, the last um, uh, years were an infringement on so many levels on our basic human rights. It was a violation of people's inalienable rights, and this can't be tolerated. There was a Nuremberg Code called out after the Second World War uh, to prohibit what is being done at the moment. The people had taken their opportunity to live normal lives, um, to, uh, to, to, um, uh, to follow their daily routines in their jobs, uh, in the way they moved uh, for uh, an experimental genetic um, um, uh, um, uh, newly discovered and uh, uh, not even on animals dried technology. This was absolutely and is absolutely not acceptable and we already mentioned the two words there is whenever a drug is being put on the market whether it's a vaccine or medication you have to ask yourself is it safe and is it effective and i think we now are definitely and i think we've been very early at that stage already to say there's definitely no to both of them and still human rights are being um, uh, treated um, uh, with um, uh, with not the respect it deserves. Uh, I think you might disagree in science. This is what science is all about, that there are different opinions that already made it very curious that there's only one opinion that governs the entire uh, planet. And as you, Peter, already mentioned, this is a process that hasn't only started with COVID. This has been a process in which for decades there has been too much um, uh, power given to the industry and to the regulatory bodies and to politics. It's, it's really one big net that um, has been established over decades. That's why it's so, so difficult in order to get the truth um, across. But um, uh, the, this violation of basic human rights and uh, we can continue of science the way it should be carried out because science the way it's being carried out at the moment is dead. Um, we'll have to renew it and we'll have to see uh, whether we can motivate enough people. And that's what the, um, uh, the World Council for Health stands for, to inform and to reach out to people, to scientists, to politicians, to lawyers, to everybody on the street, that there is another opinion and we should go back to discussing and then evaluating the way forward because there is a better way and we know what this can be. Well, you're gonna have to let that be the last word. We're out of time. This has been a great interview, exclusive interview with the leadership of the World Council for Health. I wanna thank each and every one of you for joining America Out Loud for this very, very important broadcast. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report.